Hey everybody, it's Keith. Welcome back. Thank you for returning to Medicine Words. First of all, thank you so much for being you. Thank you also for the huge success that you've contributed to, to the success of Medicine Words. You see, our idea, our goal is to rise to a level, a vibrational level of love and light that we can also help you along the journey that's so magnificent of being a human being. Tonight, I am blessed with co-hosts of Ryan. Yes, on Happy Light and Love. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing really good. Actually, I'm doing much better because you say that. I love it when you say <laughs> happy love and light because your yes. whole light just ignites and all this love just in, exudes out of you. And I feel like I'm being showered with cosmic loving light. All my love to you. All my Thank love. you. And my love back to you. You know, Thank you. love is something that we can never exhaust. Yes. Now, we're also very fortunate tonight, Ryan, because co-hosting tonight, this episode, we have our beloved friends, Stephanie and Maddie. How are you guys doing tonight? We're wonderful. It's a privilege to be here with you both. Yes, doing very well. Love and light to you both. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you for being here. First of all, I want to express my unconditional love to all three of you, to my nephew, Ryan, to my beautiful friends, Stephanie and Maddie. Tonight's episode we're going to address head-on, and that is the dark night of the soul. So, as far as the dark night of the soul is a conversation that sometimes people just simply don't want to have. Immediately, when you say dark night of the soul... People conjure up all sorts of different things in their image. So what I ask you right now is don't do that. Be open-minded. Be in love and light. Surround yourself with an open mind and a loving heart as we begin to journey through what is known as the dark night of the soul. Now, people hear about that and they feel like, oh, I've never had a dark night of the soul. I don't know what you're talking about. And so we're going to discuss our experience with the dark night of the soul. Each one of us, myself, Maddie, Stephanie, and Ryan, has gone through what we would describe as the dark night of the soul. I, by going through it, personally describe it as God's cleaning instructions. As you come through life, you are constantly bombarded with images and ideas given to you by other people as what you are, who you are, what you should do, how you should act what it is that these parameters are that are acceptable and not acceptable. Now, granted, some of these ideas and thoughts are given to you in a way that is imbuing you with integrity, honesty, love. Like, for example, when your parents or someone tells you, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, that is wisdom that you can use and it will change your life. However, if there's individuals along your path that are unkind to you, or they project what they want you to do, and you can do it because you're trying to please them, or it's against your nature, against your loving nature, it can create anger, it can create resentment, it can create something in you that can become dark. Eventually, you get to a point chronologically, emotionally, or as you are on a spiritual path, your soul literally begins to expand in light. Literally. Your soul is light. And so when you illuminate your soul with love and light, you begin to expand in light. 
And some of these old hurts and wounds simply don't fit anymore. And if you resist it, then that creates pain and that causes the dark, dark night of the soul. Dark nights of the soul can be created usually or are caused by something in your life that is tragic. So if you have an event, if you have a breakup, if you have a death of a beloved, if you are constantly turning into social media or the TV and you're bombarded with all this information, it can wear you down. It can bring you to a point where you become depressed or you become uh, angry and eventually become ill. So the dark night of the soul is absolutely a gift and a tool of the divine. You see, you're not a real mystery. You're only a mystery unto yourself. How many times have you been around an individual who is bragging or boasting about themselves? They're telling you all these things that they want you to believe about them. They could be telling you how they have so much money or how they have so much empowerment or how they have all the right people, all the name dropper. They are operating from their ego. In their egoic explanation of themselves, you begin to pick apart or you begin to discern for yourself. The truth of it is, is although you respect them because they're a human being, you also realize that they are in a state of delusion. They have gone through the life in such a way so hurt and damaged that they have created a facade or an image of who they want you to believe they are. They spend so much time, so much energy in creating this. So that person goes home, and when they shut the door to their house, you see all of that fades away. All of that is gone. What they have is themselves. That in and of itself is a gift. That's a gift because they are then able to look at themselves in truth. They realize, hopefully, that as we all are, we have a loving heart. We, inside of ourselves, have a pure spark of heart. We learn to accept ourselves. We learn to know that unconditional love means just that. It is unconditional love. And we love each other as we are, and we don't need to make up things or pretend to be anything that we are not. All right. The darkness of the soul can cause pain because what you're doing is you're restricting that light that you naturally are. You see, you are a being of love and light. And when you restrict any kind of energy, it is then prohibiting the natural flow of loving energy to heal you. It's just like your physical body, you see. <clears throat> if you were to tie a rubber band around your wrist real tight, it restricts the blood flow to that hand. At first, it will be painful. And the reason the pain is there is because it draws attention to it. That pain is a gift. It's an indication that there is a restriction of energy and left unattended, your hand is going to die and wither and fall off. You can choose to ignore it. You can choose to say, ah, oh, yes, I have this rubber band here, but I place it there and I'm going to leave it there. Unwise, of course, but as you proceed into the future, eventually you're going to have serious pain and perhaps the loss of a hand. So visualize, if you will, your spiritual being of light. And from that, you are creating your emotional body. 
you are creating your intellectual body, you are creating your physical essence. There is energy around you, a theoretical body that is all acting exactly the same. You see, your spiritual self is not reacting different than your physical body. So if for some reason you are restricting flow or not loving a part of your soul, you're restricting the life force of love, which is inherently your gift, and it's causing you pain. The pain is the same. It is saying, address this issue. Address it in such a way that you remove the restriction of energy, whatever crisis caused it, so that the flow can come through it and that you can be the individual that then is healing. So you're bringing this energy back into your spiritual self for whatever reason. Now, we human beings are unique and we have unique experiences. This experience can happen last yesterday afternoon, last week. It can happen 52 years ago. It doesn't matter when it happened, it's coming up and it's a gift. It's up to you to examine it. So you carry this energy and it's causing this pain and you can say, okay, I stuff that pain back and it will keep coming back. And the more you stuff it back, the more dark night of the soul will be. You realize that there is no pretense needed. You realize that you are a being of light and love. And you do your work. Now, the reason I can say that is because I've gone through it. The reason that Maddie, Stephanie, and Ryan can speak so eloquently about it is because we went through it. We human beings memorize knowledge. We go to college, we go to university, and we memorize this knowledge. This knowledge comes from another human being, and we take it, and we learn it, and we accept it as truth. Eventually, however, sometimes, through our evolution of growth, we get a precept or a concept that is more loving and is more divine. With that loving and divine energy, we realize that that is actually the truth of love. That truth, concept, or precept is light, and it shines light on the former precept that you believed. You see, there are those throughout history, as in the human world, that believed at one time the world is flat. Someone proved that that was not correct. And so, in order for us to eradicate the miscommunication or the erroneous belief system, there is a new concept. <clears throat> that which is the round earth. So it changes us. It evolves us. Now think about it. How many things have you been told that are either untrue or they are conceptions that are human-made to control you or keep you down? Personally, one of the concepts that we're here to eradicate or release is the rules of domestication. The rules of domestication have to do with poison words. Human beings have free will. <clears throat> so they are, <clears throat> they are able to speak however they wish. Throughout history, people have used poison words to try to enslave others. When you go through the dark night of the soul, there is no room for the rules of domestication. You're no longer wanting to be a slave to anything. 
He also realized that that enslavement is not just about the slaves of Egyptian time period. It's not an enslavement of the American consciousness. You realize it in some way. You could be enslaved because you're doing things that other people expect of you. You're marrying the right person because your religion told you to. Your family expected you to. You look back on your decisions and you go, what, where was I and what was I thinking when I did this? Because it has created my today. It has created my reality and it's inauthentic and it is causing me pain. It's causing me difficulty. You can stay in your pain and as you proceed, you see the dark night of the soul increases. All of us here at Medicine Words, we have experienced first and foremost rejecting the darkness. However... We, as human beings, have to embrace that darkness. My dear friend Maddie explains this very well, as far as embracing the darkness and evolving it on a personal level. You see, even if you're going through great difficulty or whatever you interpret it as a dark night of the soul, you can call it psychosis, you can call it all sorts of things, but you get to the point where there is no running away from it. You've got to embrace it and evolve it. Very well said, Keith. Thank you for your wise words. The dark night of the soul. It's impersonable. It, it comes when you least expect it. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, how confident you are, how much you've accomplished, what your status is. The dark night of the soul, for me personally, is a divine cleansing. And in my personal dark night of the soul, I would also call it a shattering of everything that I knew of myself. It was like being hit by a Mack truck all at once. Not knowing who you are anymore. Not knowing what you stand for. Not being able to care for yourself in any way that you could formally care for yourself, no matter who you are, if you're a healer, if you're a doctor, if you're a psychologist, none of that matters. When the dark night of the soul comes to cleanse you, it is about being with the dark night of the soul. And personally, in my experience with the dark night of the soul and um, having very tremendous multiple dark nights of the soul, one of the things that I have learned through that process is that this, this darkness, this, this depression, whatever you want to call it, psychosis, it doesn't come as a punishment. It comes as a preparation. It's here to let go. It's here to show you what you need to heal. It's here to cleanse you in a way to become the person that you're meant to become. But you don't know that during this process. There is no answers for you during this process. And one of the things that I learned very deeply during my dark night of the soul is the fact that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter where you came from. The things that you want, the answers that you want, that's not the purpose of the dark night of the soul. When you seek answers in the dark night of the soul, it only tends to cause more suffering. Very well said, my friend. Very well said. And, you know, you made some really valid points. You said, 
when you're going through this dark night of the soul, you there's no answers, and you don't all that you thought you were is being shattered. It's being eliminated, and you're going, I'm not this, I'm not that. So where am I? The reason is is because you that which is you defining you that you thought that you were was not you ever in the first place. In other words, you created this false persona that you thought you were you. And so it is like the loving, divine creator is gently nudging you back to who you are. You are not pretending to be anything. Whatever it is, we all have personalities. We all have personas. So if you go to parties and you think, I'm the life of the party, and I'm going to joke, and I'm going to have all this fun, and so forth, and you realize, oh my God, everybody loves me. And then you get into the darkness of the soul and you go, okay, yes, but I'm in pain inside. So maybe this joking and so forth was just a mask of my pain and this isn't who I really am. You begin to discover the truth of things and the truth is incredibly painful. You can discover that the individuals that you called friends and reliance, you begin to know the truth. You begin to realize these people are talking behind your back. There is a beautiful saying, and it is, be very careful who you open up to, because most really don't care, and they are looking to have something to talk about. So it is a matter of being very careful with your words, being very careful with who you reveal yourself to. I have a very dear friend. <clears throat> she is incredibly powerful and a medicine person, and her and I were talking. She happened to come into this world in this divine gift. One of the most empowering gifts that you can have is to come in this world biologically assigned one gender and then during the course of your life realize that actually inside you are the opposite gender of what you've been assigned. It is a magnificent gift to go from birth to death and reassign your gender. The reason it's magnificent is because there's such power in it, because our souls are androgynous. Now, each human being is both male and female. In fact, spiritually, we are androgynous, and we draw both from the male-female polarity. And each soul has transversed from being male to a female in different lives. As people come into this world, and they're making that transition that can be very disturbing to people around them. To me, it doesn't make any sense why that would be. In other words, I do not care what my neighbors, if they're a male and they wear a dress, I don't care, but some do. But the point is this. We were talking, and she was talking about how difficult it is that these people are ridiculing her. Also, she was talking about her childhood, and she said, I came from this family where I felt that I wasn't wanted. I came from this family where I was rejected. I came from this family where I was abused emotionally, mentally, and physically. She said, what is that? Why, why is that? And the, what I looked at her, and I said, because you were. In other words, because they didn't like you. Because they rejected you, and they hurt you, and they emotionally abused you. She looked at me with shock. She said, okay, that's not the right answer. In other words, she wanted the answer of, how do I make this all better? How do I make those people love me for who I am? And my answer was, you don't. You wish them love, and you walk away from them. But you see, if you're stuck in this trap, 
where you're trying to make people that were in your past love you, that hurt you, you'll stay in the dark night of the soul. Now, Stephanie, you're an individual that you also helped me, along with your husband, Maddie, through my dark night of the soul. And I like to keep it as light as possible. And while we're going through the process, I looked at you and I said, all right, I absolutely have always known of God. I've always known of a higher power. There has never been a time in my life that I did not know God is loving me and taking care of me. So why am I going through this? And I, I made a joke. I said, you know, I wish that the divine, when I was going through the dark night of the soul, would have sent me like a little cute emoji and said, hey, Keith, on this date at this time, you're going to go through a dark night of the soul. And these are the instructions. And this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen and so forth. And you made this comment and said, that's just not the way it works. You go through it on your own and there's no instructions. And what struck me when you said that is that's the way actual life works. We get more instructions when we buy a new car as opposed to when we have a baby. When you have a baby, you get an afterbirth and that goes away and you have this baby and no one's telling you what to do. There's no unique instructions to this. Is this child that you just had gave birth to, is this child going to be the next person that creates world peace, cures all diseases? You hope. Is this person going to be happy? You wish. Is this person going to be protected? You surround it with maternal love. Or is this person going to be the next Walmart shooter? You never know. Mm. So when you're going through your dark night of the soul, both with yourself and also your beloved husband, Maddie, mm. what were you observing and what were you thinking? I'd, I'd like to hear it like in retrospect. This was years ago, but what is it that you feel? And what is it that you see? Sure. Well, when I was going through one of my dark nights of the soul, um, one of those times was when I first, <laughs> shortly after I met Maddie. And that was a really tough time in my life. Um, before I met Maddie, I actually was going through a pretty um, tough divorce. And through my dark night of the soul, it, there was a common theme for me. Um, that kind of played out in a lot of my dark nights of the soul. And that was my relationship with money. And I come to understand that through that, I had to correct my relationship with money because I found myself in relationships a lot of times where I was, I took on a kind of more masculine role in the relationship where I was the breadwinner. I supported my partner and when the relationship dissolved, my partner felt like it was the right thing to take everything that I had. So <laughs> the time when, when, we, when Maddie and I first met, and again, I was going through my dark night of the soul, I was just reeling. I kind of like lost my identity because I really attached who I was by how much I made. And I really just lost who I was, and I really had to come to terms with, okay. <laughs> Money is not who I am. How much money how much money I make is not who I am. And really go in, dive in deep and really discover those deeper parts of myself, uncover those, reveal those, and really be comfortable with that. Um, and again, you know, being just a witness 
with um, with Maddie and our journey when when he um, has gone through some of his dark nights of the soul, really just being a witness. Um, that's really really important to uh, for me in my process because I've had again a history um, in the past of being more of an enabler because I wanted to help, I wanted to fix, and that's not the way that works. When we're going through our dark nights of the soul, it is a personal process and we really just have to allow that person, uh, the individual, to really go through their process and the way it's meant to be and just hold space for them um, and just be loving and be their best friend, you know? It's not about like, oh, well, you just need to do this or you need to do that because <laughs> there's no amount of, like, guidance, really, that can is the golden ticket per se um yeah i would have to chime in on this one um when it did come through my own process and the weight and realizing what was happening to me the best thing that i could have is just a partner that could support me because there was no wisdom there was no cognitive behavioral therapy there was no anything that she could do that would alleviate what was happening to me. It was my process to go through and to have a person just be there as a witness and be there in support, that meant the most to me. Knowing that she wasn't going to leave me because I had become a completely shattered person. And that gave me the ability to have my own process. That gave me the ability to not fear that she was going to leave me for what was happening and it really really showed how much love that she had for me to be able to stay with somebody who had been completely broken yeah and another thing i'd like to add just from my own personal experience is i have found that the dark night of the soul for me has really been a a moment of really facing my ego mm -hmm. um it's really showing myself like where I'm resistant and areas I'm resistant in and really embracing it and taking ownership. Mm -hmm. And in the shamanic cultures, in the way that they view the dark night of the soul, they view it as a living death. And they actually revere it because they say, if you can die while you're alive, then the real death it has it has no comparison. Mm -hmm. The real death, I'm not sure if they mean that being that the real death is easier, but the, the living death is a process of alchemical combustion that when you do make it through that portal is just unparalleled. The beauty that awaits you, the realizations in hindsight uh, about why you had to go through what you had to go through is just absolutely amazing very well said you mentioned that in other cultures they view it as a gift now i'm not here to compare cultures because i personally believe that mother earth is mother earth and she does not see the egoic boundaries of this country she doesn't make a distinction between what is called texas argentina or spain those are human egoic constructs. They serve a purpose to a point. So you go through this dark night of the soul and you feel 
like perhaps you're having a mental breakdown. However, as Maddie said, is it a breakdown or is it a breakthrough? It's a breakthrough, all right? We often talk about spiritual awareness. Okay, spiritual awareness, what does that mean? Well, does it mean that we absolutely are aware of God, light, and love, and we live happily ever after, and every day is blissful? No. You become aware. You become aware of the world that you live in. You become aware that there is a lot of deceit, difficulty. You believe and you understand that this is around you, this darkness, this war, these things you see, but you then are given a choice that you are not going to participate in it. You see, my friends, we are all angels in the making. Each one of us, you, listening to this podcast, is actually an angel in the making. You are creating your life. Of course you're going to make error and mistakes, and that's what the state of grace is. So the darkness of the soul is a state of grace. You are advanced enough that life has said, you can handle this. You see, I personally believe that this is the campus called Earth, and we're all Earth students. I personally believe it's sacred. So if you're going through the dark night of the soul, and it's the most difficult thing that you went through, please remember that the lessons that are taught to the seniors in college are far more difficult than if you're in the first grade. It's the same thing. Thank the divine creator that you have the honor and privilege of going through this and know that it is preparing you for the next step. The Four Agreements, which is a book that I love, talks about the metote. And the metote, in Toltec terms, means the collective nightmare. You see, we as human beings create with our thoughts, our actions, and our deeds. Some of those humans are creating very difficult circumstances. But do remember, the only energy is love. Love is not the opposite of hate. Love is the absence of all fear. When you think you are something, you are using your logical mind, most likely the egoic structure. When you go into the darkness of the soul, it is your ego demanding that you give it life. However, your soul is actually killing your ego. When I have seen people energetically going through the darkness of the soul, sometimes people that choose to take their own life is because the ego or what they thought they were becomes so strong and so apparent it's as if it's demanding how dare you rise above this however you rise up not with not with any kind of might is right you rise up with a spiritual awareness that it is love and light and gentle peace that which is strength is courage and silent. It is a gentle man. It is not the aggressive. As you rise into that light, you begin to transform that darkness of the soul and your ego's dies. Everything that you thought you were falls away and you become who you already knew you were and how you felt you were. If you think the last time that you were born is when you were come out of the wound into this world, that was the first time you were born. The magnificent life is led with a series of death inside of it. 
Maddie, you talked about how people die in life. You die completely to who you are. And then when death does actually happen, it's of no consequence. Now, personally, the kind of work I do, I'm in the dream state more than I'm actually in the cognitive state. And that is something that I have mastered. That is something that I enjoy. So when most people or some people go to bed, they sleep and they're releasing the alpha brain or the, the beta and they are staying in this pure spiritual state and they are dreaming and they believe it's a night dream. However, that is the conscious awareness that I have disciplined myself to stay in, to do the work I am. So it is a transference. You are no longer constantly rationalizing or thinking. You're in a living dream. The darkness of the soul, if you are in faults, if you are in a pretense, if you're in the ego or arrogance, that dream becomes a nightmare. It is telling you or cautioning you that this is something you need to address and it's something you need to bring about. Now, the reason I think that this is so important is because in our culture, which I love, we don't talk about this at all. We never talk about the darkness of the soul because if I broke my arm, I would say I broke my arm. I would go to the doctor and they would set this arm and it would heal and would go on with their life. We wouldn't talk about it. All right. If I got ill, I would be sick. And you'd say, oh, I had this disease and I was down for a week. And you go, oh, I'm glad that you're better. Now let's go play soccer like we always do. You would say that. If someone's going through the dark night of the soul, it represents mental illness and people don't forgive that. In other words, do not be mentally ill. Do not be going through your dark night of the soul. Don't be saying these things because you would be considered crazy. And there's, and there's severe consequences in our society for being crazy. So people will go through this dark night of the soul and they'll start to become aware that what they're doing is living a gigantic auto brain lie and they don't have the courage to talk about it. So it perpetuates more of the dark night of the soul. It is a rabbit hole that drags them down. However, through the dark night of the soul, you get to the point where you realize that you honestly don't care what someone else thinks about you. It is a Neil Young song that says, old man, take a look at yourself. It doesn't mean that much to me to mean that much to you. One of the, if you're going through a dark night of the soul, cut away all of what other people think. You could actually be or have created a personality around a relationship you have. You're very different the way you talk to your mother as opposed to your sibling, as opposed to your spouse, as opposed to your friend, as opposed to all these different people, the people you work with. So you are literally creating a personality because you know that person. Can't say that to that person because they'd be offended. Oh, I can't say that to that person. And so you build this personality around that person and then you go, okay, who am I? So the darkness of the soul is realigning you with your spiritual authenticity. And through that is great growth. It is well worth it. So when you feel like you are dying, the reason you feel like you are dying is because you are dying. You're dying to your inauthenticity. You're dying to that personality. Now, you might have had to create it. You had to create it because you were 14 years old and you were not accepted for who you are. But at 14, you didn't know that because you were the only person 
on this whole entire planet that you felt was 14 and going through that. When you're 30 years old, you look back and you go, that's pretty typical to what a 14-year-old goes through. And that's enlightenment, and that's knowledge, and that's awareness. You are literally given the opportunity by that which created you to go into your light and know that you are light and love. You're eradicating anything that just simply doesn't work. Again, I go back to the word of God's cleaning instructions. We're kind of like a hard drive. You know, you're given this pure memory and you're giving this pure spiritual being of light. That is called you. You're putting this information in you and you're processing it. Eventually it gets so much in there that you have to do an upgrade. You have to do a cleaning just like a computer, you eliminate all those old files. A computer that's full of files is a slow process. But you start to eliminate all these old things, all these old opinions. And the dark night of the soul can happen very quickly. Now, I believe when you do that, you're not only like getting away from the malware, but you're also updating what it is now. In other words, I have personal experience in my life where I have lived a blessed life and it's nonviolent but there has been times where I have not always been accepted for the way I think or the way I choose to love. And so through the process of just 61 years on this planet, I have noticed not only a change with inside of me, but a change with inside of the collective consciousness of accepting people to love each other as they choose to love. You see, being 61, I was born... 15 years after the World War ended. Chaotic period of time. Human beings rushed to this planet to multiply, to bring into this world a human consciousness that is love and light. You see, you're in a process of evolution. You are evolving on a daily basis. The only thing that is consistent in your life is change. That's not a cliché. It is truth. The reason it's truth, it's even physics, is because everything is in motion. You physically will be born and die. Your physical body is in motion. Your blood is processing and your immune system is working. Right now, you are going through life thinking. The water in the oceans are moving. The wind is blowing. The earth itself is rotating. The earth is rotating around the sun. You see, there is not one little nanosecond that is the same. So if you feel that at one time in the past you go, this is truth, and this is what I am, and this is where I'm going to stay, it'll cause a dark night of the soul. It's as if you are in this one snapshot of your life, and that's not you anymore at all. But if you're still relating to that or thinking that, it's going to cause a dark night of the soul. Now, everybody that is spiritually aware is going to go through what can be defined as a dark night of the soul. It sounds really scary. It sounds really mystical. It sounds like, what are we talking about? Let's not listen to this episode on Medicine Words because it's scaring me. But you're going through it, and you've gone through it. It is how you deal with it. You face it. If you are in a loveless relationship and you're trying to make it work, you see, there is this principle, and it's energy begots energy. The energy that you have is constantly coming back and it's magnifying. That's an amazing experience. If you are love, 
light. You are healthy. You're mentally well. You're physically well. You're right on target. More energy is given because you're in that zone. If for whatever reason you're not and you stop, energy still is energy. So for example, if you're in an incredibly positive, loving relationship like Stephanie and Maddie, as they go into the future, that love is amplified. Energy is becoming energy and it's amplified and they're given more strength, more opportunity. However, if another couple is in a relationship and it's gone away as separation, there's animosity, resentment, there begins to be affairs, there is non-trust, then energy begots energy. That energy is coming back. It is reflecting what you truly are. So it is going to reflect that you are in a space of non-truth. It is reflecting back the truth of who you are and it's causing you more and more pain. Now, how can that possibly be a gift? It's a gift because it's a mirror of truth. It's mirroring back and it's saying, this is causing you pain. It's causing your partner pain. So address it. And that's where Maddie had a very good point. In so much, you cannot run away from it. You cannot escape it. You have to embrace the darkness or the darkness soul because it is you. It is a part of who you are. You have to be the one that changed it. You created this. You're the one that checked yourself into this insane asylum, and you have to find the way out because you can check yourself out of it. You can start to love yourself. You're the one that can grow and become the magnificent person that you naturally are. And I think therein lies the point. You're just basically getting to the point of being who you are, and that is a being of love and light. Very, very well said, Keith. Thank you. One of the analogies that came to me during my most recent Dark Night of the Soul was the nature of duality. We live in a nature of duality. You can't know joy without pain. You don't know what up without down is, etc., etc. So one of the realizations that I had through this process was the fact that I felt contracted. I felt pulled in. I felt pushed against the wall. And I just felt this strong contraction. I just couldn't let it go. And in this moment of realization, I thought to myself, okay, we live in a nature of duality. What is the opposite of contraction? And it hit me. Expansion. The harder that you are contracted, the more expansion expansive it will let go when you break through with the dark night of the soul and that that gave me great comfort knowing that that was to come believing in my heart and soul knowing that this had a purpose knowing that this was creating a strength in me that i had never experienced before and it did and it really really did my expansion from my most recent dark night of the soul was so tremendous I had so many insights. I, I felt the divine presence pouring all through me. I felt it working through me. I felt that energy of God, that energy of love actually pulsating and working through me. It wasn't by me by any chance. It was without any effort. So there lies the greatest gift when it comes to the dark night of the soul. And that's why we shouldn't be afraid of the dark night of the soul. Because it's here. It's here to grow. It's here to help you grow. It's here to bring you to the true divinity of who you are. 
It's here to show you where you need work. And the dark night of the soul is work. That's exactly what it is. Sometimes that work looks like laying on the bed all day. <laughs> Sometimes that work is clearing the deceitful and doubtful thoughts that run through your mind, being aware, being spiritually aware, being spiritually strong enough to endure this that is going through you, this that is happening to you. And there again, there lies the gift, endurance, strength, perseverance, consistency, persistence. And when, when, when you learn to embody all of those, that is an absolute gift from above. That's, that's a, a gift from the divine. You're truly a magnificent individual for going through that. And you talk about the strength and the endurance that you feel by going through the dark night of the soul. And for me, it was not so much like I wanted to be a person that was might is right and that I needed to go out there and prove myself. I needed to go out there and, and show that I was strong by, by proving this. It wasn't a muscle thing. It actually, I found strength in the gentle nature that I naturally am. In fact, that's what I released. You taught me this, Maddie and Stephanie, that when I was going through the dark night of the soul, I've always thought of it as in my life of transformation. If there was a darkness, I transformed it into light. In other words, if there was arrogance, I could transform that into light. It becomes confidence. You talk about the dualities. If there is sadness, I can transform that into joy and happiness. Now, I was talking about the androgynous nature of our souls, and if you are looking at spiritual awareness, realize that you are androgynous. There is great strength out of your male energy. There is great strength in your divine feminine. The female intuition is truly the empowerment, the male of that gentle male. So if you are in the darkness of the soul, and you're looking at, I need to be brave and I need to prove myself. You are in fear. You see, the soldier that goes in and kills is actually just a fear-based male. But if you transform that into light, it becomes the gentle man. There is no words. There is no explanation. You cease to go out and have some kind of points to prove. You have a purpose to serve. You realize that even by being alone, that you're okay. Now, I want to make a point. You know, I'm a person that I like love and light. I like joy and happiness, but I also like awareness. So I want spiritual awareness to be like Disneyland and Certes de Soleil and life at the beach. I want that all the time. I want to be happy and joyful. In fact, let's take it further. I want to eat whatever I want and look like a weightlifter. You know, I want to get older and look like I did when I was 22. But you see, there is a divine plan in all of it. That's not going to happen. And so I look at my life and I accept that. It was like the Buddhist monk that was asked, what did you gain from all this meditation you've been doing? And he looked straight in the person's eye and said, I have gained absolutely nothing by this meditation. What I have, though, let me tell you, is what I have lost. I have lost all fear of death. I have lost all fear of getting older. I have lost all fear of incapacitation, and now all I know is love. In other words, the monk was expressing the fact that 
he now loves himself unconditionally, has no fear of the divine because he is part of the divine. If I say the words, I am God, I am sovereign, and I am free, if that offends you, you have some work that Maddie was talking about. If I say you are God and you are sovereign and you're free, you are a part of God. It is a precept, it is a concept that you can change your life with. You realize that you are a small spark of God, that you are loved unconditionally. And if there's any part of you, your ego, your mind, anything that is not in alignment with that, that is what needs to bring to alignment. Maddie, also, you talked about, is it going to ever end? Is it going? And I had the same thing. I had exactly the same thing. I thought, when is this going to end? And so forth. And there was there no answers. You, you kind of come up with this. All right, so what is happening is that whatever is asking the question, what, when is it going to end? That is the part of you that needs to die. That is the ego part. Because you see, you're spiritually... A being of light and it's physics as I've said so many times light is energy energy is never created it's never destroyed it is just transformed you are light coming to this world taking on physical form and with physical form you have a physical body you have a structure you have an idea your physical body is going to end it's going to go back into the earth your emotions that you have that anger that you had so much in the past is going to end all of that's going to end. Your ego really never existed, and it's going to end. But what remains is your beautiful sense of self. You walk with a sense of grace and light. Now, I have always thought of the dark night of the soul as when I presented myself at your medicine house in California, and we did work together, which I consider sacred. But looking back, it seems like I've always been in these little dark nights of the soul. When I was 33 years old, I climbed a mountaintop. And I cloistered myself for many weeks, all by myself. I was a vegetarian at the time, and I was expecting a miracle. I was going to know God. I was up in these mountains, and it was an experience that was unlike any other. I saw a moose come toward me, and this moose looked at me and acknowledged me as a vegetarian, nonviolent, and walked away. I told a friend that, and he said, that's impossible because it's rutting season and that moose would have torn you apart. What I'm saying is that actually did happen. Well, when you look at what I went through up there, I was honestly expecting something not unlike the burning bush or angels or some divine guidance that was going to come down and say, yes, you are of God, and yes, this is amazing, and so forth. That never happened. And as I was seeking and searching, I was 33 years old, and I came to the conclusion that I said, I've had enough. This is not working. I don't want to be identified. You see, as a, as a human being, I don't say things and not do it. When I say something, I get out and do it. So I went to the Philippines and I preached Jesus for two years and argued religion in the absolute most dearth, dearth and difficulty. It was under martial law, but I did it because I believed in it. I didn't just sit there and have lip service toward it. So I was a Christian. Then I came home and I thought, I don't want to be a Christian. So I became a Buddhist. So all, then I became metaphysical. Then I became all these different things. And 33 years old, I thought, I'm done. I'm not going to be identified 
as an American, a white person, a Buddhist, a Christian, any religion, I am done. I'm going to be just Keith. And it wasn't pretty. It wasn't like I walked down with a halo and angels. What I did is I came back and I'm done. From that point on, not intended, but from then on, people will come up and say, you are incredibly spiritual. In other words, when I ceased to be or tried to be spiritual, what I thought was spiritual, and just became Keith, I became who I am, spiritual, loving Keith. So you're eradicating everything. It's like when the statue David was made, and um, they asked, well, how did you do this? How did you carve this as far as David? And he said, well, all I did was take away all that wasn't David. And that's what the dark night of the soul is. It's taking away everything you think you are, everything you're pretending to be, and you remain just you. What a beautiful gift that is. What a beautiful gift. Oh, very, very, very much so. You know, the identity that, that we have, um, that we set up in, in, our dis- in our cultural society, things like that, we, we really hold strong to that. And the dark night of the soul comes to strip that away. It comes to, to tell you, you know, that you're not that important, but you are that important. But it's not your ego that's important. It's your soul that's important. It's who you are to other people that it's important. It's not what you have. Mm-hmm. It's not your status. It's not anything like that. And towards the end of my dark night of the soul, I had made a realization that I didn't need to do anything. All I needed to do was be myself. I didn't need to have great status. I didn't need to be known. I didn't need to do anything else that I already hadn't done. And that was such a beautiful release to know that just being me and, and, and being the loving person that I am, that was enough. Mm-hmm. Yes, taking ownership for me was a really big, profound moment, really understanding that um, in, in our society, we tend to run away from things that we don't want to um, be part of ourselves. Um, even so much as, you know, in the society that we live in, for example, uh, we don't take ownership of homelessness. We don't take ownership of, you know, people being in prison. We, we shun that. We push that away because we don't want that as part of ourselves. I know it's kind of a, an extreme analogy, but in reality, we, we all have these parts in, in us. And the further we push it away, that again, that's creating that dark night of the soul. So when we take ownership and we, we bring it in and we really, um, with, with a loving and understanding heart, uh, again, that's where that transcendence, that transformation really comes into play. Very well said. You know, you go through this dark night of the soul and you see this horror in this world and you see like you said, Stephanie, you see like these prisons and you see people that have gone insane and you see this violence and you see such atrocities and it, it's incomprehensible. And you go, oh my God, that's horrible. And, and rightfully so, because you are vibrating on a level of love and light that it's a gift that you feel that this is abhorrent behavior. It is because you're vibrating on a sense of love and light so much so that then you recognize that as 
something that is evil, for lack of better words. All right. So you go through this stage and you're going, oh, this is terrible and this is a horrible place to live. And you go through this darkness of the soul. Now, one of the things that the darkness of the soul can teach you as an advanced student, my later dark nights of the souls, was this. It is a sense of awareness. You begin to realize that you are a human being and that all human beings on the planet are created pretty much the same from the same template. You realize that you have a reptilian brain, you have a monkey brain, and you have a divine heart. You also realize that though you wouldn't participate in it, you have the capacity, you have the capacity to kill. You have the capacity to inflict great pain on other people. You have that capacity. It's an abhorrent realization, but you have that capacity of doing that. So if you are in a place of growth and you can overcome some of the injury and you're evolving, you then, through the darkness of the soul, your soul is illuminating every part of you, which is also your monkey brain and it is also your reptilian brain. No longer are you acting like some kind of fearful animal for survival in the jungle, but you are rising up to a higher level. Now, our shaman friends from Colombia, they talk about the jungle. They talk about going out in the jungle and there's the snakes and there's the animals and they have to do this to survive. So I live in Denver, Colorado, and I go downtown and it's beautiful. There's restaurants, there's an outside mall, there are these beautiful high-rises, and there are people that go through the course of their day. They work out, they wear the finest of clothes, and they, and they drive the nicest of cars. That jungle can actually be far more dangerous than anything in Colombia or South America. Because those people, as they sit in desks, and they sit in their business deals, they could be doing something that's hurting other people. You see, in the jungle, those animals are running after the prey because they need to eat. The human consciousness, sometimes misdirected as it may be, is actually hurting people because they can or because they have an egoic, misconstructed idea that that is power. Jimi Hendrix said it the very best. He said, when the love of power ceases to be and the power of love is all that is. We shall know peace. So you go through your dark night of the soul and your ego is dying. Everything that you thought you were. Now, I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm not a religion, but I am a spiritual being of light. If you look at the life of Christ as a metaphor, the life of Christ was you. If it can be with Jesus, he was a human being on the planet. And don't, don't really email us. We're not, we're, I'm not interested in any comments, but use this as a metaphor. If the life of Christ can be you, when Christ was being persecuted, he was put on a cross, and during the process, he was placed upon his head was a crown of thorns. That crown of thorns was so excruciatingly, excruciatingly painful that he died completely. For three days, he was in the tomb. He arose out of it, and he was enlightened. It is said that he had a halo. So, it is the transformation or the death of the egoic mind that was represented by the crown of thorns. That same energy was evolved into a halo of enlightenment. 
Now, the energy that you have, if it's very diffused and it's just like a big, your soul's light is shining all over the place, it can just be like mist or fog. A person that focuses their energy, it's like light. It becomes stronger. So by you going through the darkness of the soul, you are dying to the pains of your egoic mind. It's not the death of you, but as you rise up to awareness in love and light, it becomes the power of your halo. Enlightenment. I would have to absolutely agree with that analogy. Thank you, brother. When it comes to the death of the egoic mind, that's a very, very painful process because that's where we primarily live. We primarily live through the ego. We function through the ego. We survive through the ego. And so when all of our primary functions are being stripped away, it can be a very, very frightening process. It can, it can feel, like I said earlier, like a living death. And, you know, when you face death in that way, when you have the resilient, resiliency to, to endure it, then, like Keith said, like, there's just a beautiful presence. You are able to feel the divine. You're able to have appreciation for things that you might have taken advantage for or advantage of, you know, previously in, in your current state. And that it's just absolutely beautiful what the benefits and what the gifts are from this whole crazy, fearful, scary, dark night of the soul. <laughs> <laughs> also, you know, I really feel like it's such a wonderful opportunity to really <clears throat> examine the ego because, as Maddie was saying, you know, our, our ego really is kind of our personality. And we have many different types of, like, personalities that we that we have as as you were saying earlier when we speak to so and so we're this way and when we speak to another person we're a different way um so it's really again an opportunity to explore um our personality and really bring that fragmentation into a wholeness right absolutely i agree with you as well it's like we're bringing it into the whole of who we are it's remembering if you are able to stay in the present moment and not be in the past and not really project to the future, but stay in the present moment, you will know peace. You will know love. Now, you look at the word remember. You are remembering that who you are is a being of light and love and you're a part of God. So whatever works for you, if you don't want to say you're God, then if you feel more comfortable with saying that you're a child of God, so be it. But somehow believe that you are a part of God, even if it's the most smallest part or the most magnificent part, but believe that you are created of God. Now, remembering. So you think about, okay, now I can remember, I can recall, but also look at that word as remembering. You are taking the parts of you, the members of you, and you are remembering it. You are reassembling you who you are before you were taught something different. That you are love. Now, I want to talk about belief systems just a bit. An ego can hold those belief systems very well for you. And some of those belief systems you need to hold on to. I believe I am healthy. I believe that I am spiritually enlightened. I believe that I am loved. Those beliefs are good. All right. 
So you have this belief system. Now, some people want to believe in one, this is the way God wants it, and that's the way God is, and so forth. So people start with their belief systems to argue and cause discontent. Throughout history, if you look at the world, there has been war after war simply about belief systems, religion. When I walked into Ryan's house tonight, I didn't say, oh, I believe there's a sofa there, and I believe that you've painted your kitchen red, and I believe there's a pine tree in the backyard, because we saw it, we knew it, and we accepted it. So when you're sitting there saying, oh, I believe this way, but God isn't that way, it is the darkness of the soul that comes to you and says, it doesn't matter what you believe, it just simply is. Even though you don't know it, doesn't necessarily mean that it does not exist. The darkness of the soul, if you embrace it, will get to the point where you will say that, what am I? And the divine will answer that you are me, and I am you. We are one of the same. Center yourself in the belief system that no matter what, you are centered in the presence and knowledge of God. Once you remove everything that you thought you were, you'll be filled back up with you. Now, Maddie and Stephanie, the shamans you work with, there's a beautiful book that they wrote, and it has to do with tenants. They call it tenants. It's kind of a metaphor where we are like an apartment building, and we have these different tenants. Now, it almost sounds like we're talking about multiple personalities. We're talking about different, but Maddie, you coined it very well. It's fragmentation. You're shattered. You're fragmented. All the little parts of Maddie that you thought you were is no longer a part of you, and you're centering inside of your own heart. So the shamans talk about the different parts of, like, you created this tenant because you grew up in a very abusive family. And so in order to get through it, you provided or you created a part that was going to survive, and other parts shut down. Stephanie mentioned it when she talked about the relationship with her ex-husband. When she met her ex-husband, it was exactly what she needed. The ex-husband was who she was and vibrated exactly what she needed. You see, Stephanie is a magnificent teacher and healer. She came into this world with love and light. In her past lives, she was an individual that as she went through her life, she was constantly, constantly giving herself away to other people. That is indicative of being a teacher healer. So Stephanie could have been the doctor and seeing patients seven days a week. She could have been the shaman spiritual teacher, where she was involved with shamanistic practices. She could have been a person that was teaching from gospel. She could have been a person that was mystical. Whether it was traditional medicine or non-traditional, indicative of that, she would incarnate into a society where she would give herself away. Now, that's just the way you do. There's no greater gift than giving away and helping someone else. So if you look at life as a school, in her most recent life, she graduated. She got her degree. A journey continues. So she came in this world, and she set in motion the circumstances that was the most conducive to her growth in this life, the experience that she'd have to learn by that experience to retain the experiential knowledge. She met her ex-husband, and she was vibrating on that level. You see, her rhythms of her soul was constantly to heal and help other people. So she just took that naturally with her ex-husband. She was constantly providing all the love and energy in that relationship. She was providing the money. She was providing the love and so forth. She got to the point where she realized that that was draining. Though it was working 
in the context of being a teacher healer in a romance, it's got to be reciprocated. It's got to be two whole and healthy people that can be in sync with each other, that are both supplying love and light to each other. She needed that experience not to have a marriage till death do you part, but until purpose was served. The purpose for for Stephanie was realizing this is draining me. She was with the narcissist, and the narcissist is like a black hole. It was all about him. And so she realized that if she stayed in that relationship, that she was going to be sucked into that black hole, and she, being a being of light like the sun, was going to be destroyed. She made a choice. And she said, I'm not going to do this. You be you, but I'm leaving this relationship. Now, what's important is Stephanie evolved rapidly after that. She could have said, oh, it's all his fault. He did this and this. And if she had done that, she would have stayed in that vibration or set point, and she would have replicated the same kind of relationship with someone else. Stephanie grew and empowered herself. And she said, this is not love. That is why Maddie entered her life. Maddie was at a set point where she and he could be together and he supplies love to her and she supplies love to him. That was one of the greatest lessons the two of them learned in this particular life is to support each other. I read the light that is your soul. I read energy and it is a language to me. If I could show you on an energetic camera what Maddie and Cato's relationship look like, it looks exactly like scaffolding. You see, Maddie entered into the relationship with Stephanie and Stephanie with Maddie, and they look like both sides of the scaffolding. There is this stand of scaffolding. Now, a stand of scaffolding can stand pretty much on its own if you stick it in the dirt. So Maddie comes along and sticks in the dirt, and he's pretty stable on himself. Then Cato is there, and they're both in the dirt together. They begin to have this journey called love and light, and they begin to support each other and trust each other. Through that awareness, it is like the bracing that is built between the two stands of scaffolding. That bracing, that relationship, that trust, actually makes the two of them much stronger. So with that strength, they're able to build the next tier of scaffolding. They then spend time building that structure, that support. Given time, as individuals that are supporting each other, they're able to build multi-layers up into the air where they would not have been able to do so had they remained by themselves. When Stephanie was in the relationship with her ex-husband, it was her that was standing alone, supplying all the energy, so it didn't ever get to, to the second level. So the proper ending was like a death. Then she met Maddie. The two of them were able to love each other, connect with each other, and the valid point is this. When Maddie started to go through his dark night of the soul, when Stephanie was going through hers, both of them said... They just created a sacred space and remained the observer. And that's what is needed. When someone's going through space, they don't need to be told what to do or stop doing it. They need to be heard. That's it. Whether they're making sense, whether they're incoherent, they just need to be heard. You see, what's coming up is like what Carl Hune said. He said, if there's something that's fighting inside, it's probably something that needs to be let out needs to be gone, needs to be over. So the two of them supported each other in such a way that they created a sacred space, and through that sacred space, they heal. Now, what is the benefit? 
That's like the scaffolding. That's the strength. This is not a superficial relationship. If I could show you the relationship that the two of them have energetically, you would see that Stephanie in her emotional solar plexus is emoting love toward Maddie. Maddie is receiving that with inside of his heart chakra. His energy of his soul is then emoting the energy that he feels for his beloved wife, Stephanie, and that is being received by her inner heart chakra. There is a figure eight of light that is part of their souls that is combining, that is creating its own energy that is called the relationship, just like the scaffolding. It is supporting each other. The only way that this could happen is if they thoroughly knew each other and trusted each other. By the two of them going through the dark night of the soul, they now have something that is divinely magnificent and an, env and an envy to those around them. They have the strength of trust. That's a beautiful metaphor, but it's practical as well. So let's say, for example, Stephanie is driving down the road. All of a sudden she gets this idea, oh, I think I'm going to stop here and get some Starbucks. Maddie's at home working on the computer. Neither one of them are consciously aware that this is happening because they're in the daytime and it's in the cognitive thought processes, but their souls are connected. So what happened was Maddie's soul realized that at the next intersection, Stephanie was going to get into a car accident. So he was the one that put the thought in her head instantly at the speed of light. I need a Starbucks. She thought it was her own impulse to get a Starbucks. But Maddie just saved her life because she's in Starbucks instead of getting hit in the, in the car in the next intersection. That's the benefit of the dark night of the soul. That's the embracement of love and light. That's the trust that these two have that protect and heal each other. So you see, we're not talking about something scary. We're talking about something that's called life. This creation that is divine, that is this earth and is this planet, is created of the divine. There is not one question that you can come up with that does not have an answer. There is not one problem that you can possibly have that does not have a solution. So the darkness night of the soul comes in very rapidly and heals you and brings you to the next level of light. Oh man, Keith, I can't follow that right now. That was just... <laughs> beautiful beautiful i embraced it through my soul the way that you speak uh, everything everything that you say i resonate with and i know that stephanie resonates with absolutely and since the day that we we encountered you we have have felt that love and uh, yeah you just really encompassed it all right there mm, beautifully so that's empowerment you see, power is a very misunderstood word. Power is not to have power over someone. That's not power. Power is, love, is, is energy. Energy is love. It is a gentle, kind, loving energy. Now, when you're going through the world and you have all this criticism for other people and the way the world should be, cease and stop and look at it and follow up with the advanced spiritual awareness of when you feel that there's something in this world that needs to be changed, ask yourself a question. How are you going to rise to the level of awareness that you indeed are going to empower yourself to change it or leave it? When you're going through the world and you are in your life, whether it's in your family, your corporations, your governments, your jobs, your religions, and you're setting rules for other people, really make sure that you are going to live by the same rules that you set for other people because I can guarantee you, you will. Make sure that it is to the greatest and highest good of all concerned. Make sure that whatever you're projecting that someone else should do, that you would also do the same thing. 
Know also that peace comes from the allowance of what it is. That, like I said before, awareness is the awareness of this world as it is and the multifacets that you are. Now, we have gotten to points, and as many people have, thousands, hundreds, millions of people have, you get to the point of awareness through meditation, disciplines, and so forth. You get to this point of awareness. When I was going through my dark night of the soul, it was getting to the point of, of great strength, love, and light. It was a place where I felt like I could stay there for the rest of my life, and I so desired to do so. As I was going through that, process where I'd reached this level of enlightenment, it was hard for me to speak and hard for me to think, but it was a vibration of love and light. So I thought, this is where I want to stay. And Maddie gently said to me, how are you going to drive your car? How are you going to go through life? How are you going to function as a human being? So you see, we do have kind of like a gear shift. We need to shift and we need to we need to get things done. We need to do the laundry. We need to decide what we're going to do for the kids' college education. We need to do that. So do it, but do it from a place of love and light. Do it from a place where allow yourself occasionally to have your little mini breakdowns. When you look at the dark night of the soul, if it's very dramatic and very difficult, it can be for a lot of reasons. It can be because you're an advanced spiritual being of light and you're ready to go through it. It can also be because you are like a volcano. And the volcano that sits there for 4,000 years and does nothing and all of a sudden erupts is far more dangerous than the volcano that has little eruptions every once in a while. So vent your feelings, but do it in a safe way, a healthy way. Go jogging, yell, scream, go up to the mountains, do whatever you need to do. Visualize yourself in the now moment. Ryan? Love it, love it all. You're a person also that, you know, you go through, I think, this life in such a way that you are love and light, you are a person that is incredibly kind. Like I said before, I've known you since you're seven years old. You're an individual that People absolutely love you. Wherever we go, people comment <laughs> on you. Not everyone. <laughs> love and light. We're doing the podcast and people, you know, because you're sincere and honest. But yet you also think you're kind of, you have some darkness too. Yeah, yeah. And gosh, I don't even know where to start, right? But um, obviously I felt like going through that stuff led me here to the podcast, to everything else. But I don't, I don't want to try to simplify it, but for me it was like, it was always like, hey, I got to get back to being myself, back to being myself, being myself. So it felt like I've constantly have gone through this, you know, and, you know, when I was younger, all the, all this bad stuff happened. It's like, well, it's my own fault, right? And then, you, like you were saying, I have this maybe dark night of the soul, or I called it epiphany, you know, is how I explained it. It was like, oh, well, I got to accept it that it was, this was all me, and... And, uh, well, I guess it wasn't me, right? I wanted to get back to being myself, but it was all my choices that I'd made that brought me to that point. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you, you, you keep going through these things and, and, uh, and trying to find yourself over and over again. Right. Yeah. You try to find yourself. And so one mistake that we make, and we all make it, is we try to go back to what we were. Mm-hmm. We try to go back to this point of going, okay, yeah. this, is what, this is what I am, and how do I get back? You don't. You're never going to go back there. It's illogical. You go back to the point where, oh, I was happy over here. I said, no, that's all over and done with. 
It makes about as much sense as if the four of us in this room decided that we absolutely love junior high, so we're going to go back to junior high and be there with those little kids. Mm-hmm. I'm old. That was 45-something years ago. Those people are probably, those teachers are probably dead. It's over and done with. Every moment is very different. You cannot go back to what you were because you're not that anymore. Mm-hmm. The metaphor I would give you is it is reflected in nature. You see, we human beings have gotten so far away from nature. We rarely touch the earth anymore. We put on our shoes, we go outside, we walk on concrete and asphalt, we get into our cars, we go to our corporate worlds, we sit in our desks, and we never see nature. We forget about that. It is like the energy that supports our life is being cut off from us. We are taught, do this and do that, get this, get that, you must have this. It is programmed in us. Why? Because they can control you and they make a lot of money off you. So that's one thing. But there's a lot of things too. So as we go through our life, we kind of lose a sense of who we are or ourself. What a beautiful gift it is when we just become who we are in the now moment. There's no looking back. There is only the present moment is who we are at this time. When we have good times that we remember, if we have things that were in the past, if you have children... You can't go back and go, okay, my kid's having all these problems because they're married to this horrible person, 24 years old. You go, you can't remember, you can't go back when that kid was six years old and how cute. It's over and done with. You as a parent have supplied everything necessary for that child to be themselves. You did the best and they are now living their own lives as they need to. Now, any other comments, concerns about the darkness wall? Uh, sure, I'd like to add a little something. Um, one of the things that um, I have found in in my experience is that as a society, we are very attached to the idea of what goodness is, of what being right is. And that plays into our dark night of the soul because, again, we're trying to push things away from us that we don't feel is right or good. And when we uh, shed those layers, um, we really come to the understanding that it's not about, like, What's right or good? It just is. It's an experience. Right. Absolutely. And going back to what you guys were saying about uh, money a little bit. Mm-hmm. I went through that same thing, like trying to chase money. And then when I just was like, no, everything I have is, is good. You know, I'm good. Like you were saying, live, just live in the present. Mm-hmm. Then that's when I ended up finding the job I wanted, making enough money that I needed. And like everything did fall into place. So, it did, yeah, it was horrible going through the, the dark night of the soul, but the, at the end, it was, it was spectacular. Right. Yeah. I'd love yep. to hear that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And one of the last things that I would like to say regarding the dark night of the soul, because people, they look at it and they shun it and they turn it away and say, no, no, no. If it happens to you, when it happens to you, it has purpose. Mm-hmm. It has purpose. The divine is... Is, is helping you transition yourself into your highest and greatest self. So it's nothing to be afraid of. A lot of people don't want to talk about it, but really when it comes down to it, it all has divine purpose. And it does. It sounds really scary, like, you know, your intro. And I didn't really know the term. I've never heard it before. So, yeah, I was kind of like, oh, I'm kind of, what is, it gonna, what is this going to actually be about? But um, I, I think, yeah, we've all are going through it or have gone through it. Absolutely. I think we maybe should rebrand 
that term. <laughs> that sounds a little scary, yeah. guys. Right. You know, also, our egos tend to want to take the path of least resistance. So <laughs> right. we don't want that dark night of the soul. Right. Hmm. I agree with you. I mean, there is different set points. I've said it before. If you feel that it's okay that you are, that you are robbing people because you have a meth habit, and that's okay. You are vibrating like that. And you will attract other people that absolutely agree with that. And the consequences are a, like attracts like. So eventually you're going to end up in some difficult trouble. But the fact that you can see that that is a problem, the fact that you can see that that is abhorrent behavior and it's causing pain, is the fact that you're e- evolved, loving being of light. In other words, it should repulse you. Your emotions should repulse that which is going to be cruel, that which is going to cause harm to other people. If for no other reason, if you're going through the dark night of the soul, if you make it incredibly simple, keep it very simple. And remember that the three laws only in the divine is do not cause harm for anyone. Do not cause harm to yourself and do not allow anyone to cause harm to you. If you can maintain those three laws, you will get through your dark night of the soul and you'll be a person that is able to overcome whatever life is presenting to you. Now, Stephanie made an incredibly valid point, and that is that the ego likes the least resistance. So you get to this point sometimes where it has become so commonplace. You're breaking through and you are going through a process where you're breaking into people's houses and you're robbing them at gunpoint to support your habit. You're in corporate world and you're making a lot of money and you feel so puffed up. But what you're ignoring is the fact that your deals that you're making, though it serves you very well financially, is causing financial hardship to those that you're having business deals with. It becomes so common that you don't even, it become, you become used to it. You do not realize you're in a cesspool. So divine intervention comes in and makes you aware of the consequences of your action so that you can, at your own time, using your free agency, can rise to a level of joy and happiness, that your vibration is love and light. And so, therefore, you have the gift of realizing that that behavior in the past was causing pain and harm. And so you can transform and change and you grow, hopefully you can make restitution, but you save your life. I've said it before, but it's like when repentance comes in, it is not a wrathful God that's going to destroy you. It is repenting or to repair yourself. So like I said, the the darkness of the soul has only divine purpose to bring you to the higher light. You or other people around you, you've all seen people that have become so pathological or so engrossed in their cruel their cruel world they don't even realize the effect it's having on other people so the divine intercedes <laughs> it's great onk all right yeah like yeah how do you follow that up and and uh i, I know for me the ego thing was huge trying to 
trying to get rid of that, you know? You know, and I want to make yeah. a really valid point. The ego is not an evil thing. It's not yeah. evil. It's part of the human anatomy. It is part of life. It is part of the gift. It's part of the progress that we've gone through. You are a product of millions of years of evolution. As much as you'd like to separate from this, this existence called Earth, you are definitely a part of it. All right. I want to thank Maddie, Stephanie, and my dear nephew, Ryan, all of you for listening tonight for this episode of Medicine Words. Take from it what you can. Glean from it what works for you. Let it spark your heart. If what we say in this episode or other episodes don't work for you, let it rest, discard, but take from it what can help you through the course of your day. Help you love yourself and those around you. I thank you for existing. I thank you for coexisting on this planet with me. I thank you for the kindness that you share to other people. I thank you for whatever you did today and in your life that contributed back into this world and made this world a better place. The love in your heart is that which you take with you. This is Keith, as my nephew said, love and light. And this is Maddie. Stephanie. It's Ryan. And guys, don't forget, check us out at medicinewords.net. Also on Facebook and Instagram at medicinewordsheal. Also, guys, um, if you want to get in contact with any of us, you have any questions, interested in any of the services, um, reach us at info at medicinewords.net. That's our email address. Happy, light, and love.